Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the club. I'm so excited to have you today because we have a fascinating topic and a fascinating guest expert for you today. But before I bring her on, I want to lay the foundation of what we're talking about with some scripture, because that's always a good idea, right? Okay, so do you remember in Genesis how God created man, the very first human being on the earth? Genesis 2-7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So that tells us that God made us from the earth. And it says it again in Genesis, in Genesis 3-19, it says, For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So God formed us from the dust of the earth, which is essentially dirt. God made us from dirt. And what lives in dirt? Well, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of microorganisms, including bacteria, loads and loads of bacteria. Dirt is not dead. It is alive and teeming with life. So this starts to make sense when we consider that our bodies are made up of mostly bacteria. Did you know that? That the human body is actually made more of bacteria than it is human cells? Think about that for a second. Your body is more bacteria than human. So essentially, you are a bag of bugs. Right now, you have all kinds of bacteria inside of you doing very specific things that drive the quality of your health, for better or for worse. What you need to know is that they, these bacteria, are very much running the show from the inside out. So the kinds of bacteria you have in your body are super important. Science is discovering more and more each day just how much bacteria impacts your health, including everything from your body weight to skin to immunity to brain health. The bacteria in your body determine so much about you, the way you look, the way you feel, even the kind of foods that you crave. So many people battle food cravings, and a lot of the time it can be the bacteria driving you to those sugary foods. If you've ever felt like an alien has taken over your body, well, it could be the bacteria. And that is why we are talking about how to make sure you've got the bacteria in your body that work for you instead of against you. Because just like everything when it comes to health, things can get wonky up in there. And you may have an imbalance of bacteria that is just wreaking havoc on your body. The bad gremlins may have taken over and you don't even realize it. So that is why I have invited an expert on with me today. This woman knows so much about this topic and how we can arm our bodies with the good stuff. Welcome, Tina Anderson. I am so excited to dig into this topic with you. Oh, thanks, Chelsea. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. You like how I did that dig, like dig in the dirt? Yes, I love it. (laughs) I loved your intro. That was amazing. Amazing. I'm so nerdy. Okay, so Tina is the founder of Just Thrive Probiotic. And I get so many questions about probiotics, like how many CFUs do I need and does it need to be refrigerated and when's the best time to take it and can my kids take them and all of these things. So Tina is going to help us answer all of these questions and much, much more. Um, Tina, tell us how you made your way into this bacteria business because it's such an intriguing story and you did not start out in this profession, right? 
Right, right. It's a very interesting journey I was on. Um, you know, I started out my professional career as an attorney. I was in litigation and I did a lot of, um, actually one of my gifts was settling cases. I always loved bringing people um, together. And um, But after having my, child, my first child, um, actually it was actually my second child, I decided to stay home and be transition into a career that was you know, allowed me to have a little bit more flexibility and be home with my kids a little bit more. So I went into the pharmaceutical industry um, with my husband and it was a family pharmaceutical business with my, um, actually my parents. And um, after being in the pharmaceutical industry for many years, we noticed many of the abuses in the industry, including the rampant overprescribing of medications. Um, in fact, one example that oh, it always comes to mind is we were awarded a very large contract for one of the largest hospital systems in the country for a cholesterol drug. And we're all, all so excited and we're celebrating. And then the pharmaceutical manufacturer came into my husband's office and said, oh, this is great. We won this contract, but now it's my job to go to every cardiologist in the system and get them to lower the number that they prescribe cholesterol meds. <gasps> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Oh my gosh, I just mentioned this in my recent cholesterol podcast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So like in essence, they're lowering that number in order to prescribe more of their medication. And, you know, a part of me was shocked. There was another part of me, just like a light bulb went off in my head and I'm like, this is happening all around us. And and then, you know, you see the family members. We had one family member. She was on one prescription. Then that caused her stomach problems, which led to another medication that led to joint issues. And then another prescription. Within six to eight months, she was, you know, on a dozen different prescription medications. And, mm. and nothing was getting fixed. You know, they were just trying to alleviate symptoms that ended up causing other symptoms and other issues. So, you know, we saw it with our kids, you know, antibiotic after antibiotic. So, um, and you know, the ironic thing is when we started in the pharmaceutical industry, we loved knowing that we were in the health field and that we were distributing life-saving medications to people. And, you know, there's no doubt that there's a place for pharmaceuticals, especially in emergency type of situations. Absolutely. Right. But, you know, we just didn't feel like it was a place to treat chronic conditions. And, and that seems to be what is so prevalent these days. And um, and so then I'm a very deep thinker and I read a lot of Wayne Dyer and Norman Vincent Peale. And both my husband and I just believe we weren't doing our life's work. So we de delved into research and decided to learn more about natural health and particularly gut health. And, you know, we were blown away. And this was actually shortly after the Human Microbiome Project by the National Institutes of Health was launched. And um, we learned a ton. Um, and we learned that, you know, a lot of people are starting to realize now, even more today, is that the gut is, gut health is really related to every aspect of your overall health. And by, you know, being at the right place in the right time and saying my daily affirmations and saying lots of prayer, we were given the opportunity to license the exclusive rights to these bacillus spore-based probiotic strains from London University. And from there, Just Thrive Probiotic and Antioxidant was born. And it's definitely been the most gratifying and rewarding journey um, career-wise, that's for sure. And I'm even more excited for what lies ahead in the future. Oh, I just love that. I love just hearing you say, you know, I didn't feel like I was doing my life's work. I just, yeah, I, to get to that, because I feel like I'm doing the same. And it was, ne this is never a path. I, it was never even on my radar, you know, like ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, and it's, you know, the way God works and everything um, just, you know, falls into place. Um, it, it's just, it is truly so rewarding to feel like, you are doing your life's work and, and changing lives and helping. And oh, I just love that. Yeah. It's um, fun to serve others. That's for sure. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, when people come to me for help with um, weight loss or skin conditions or mood disorders or autoimmune disease or whatever it may be, um, we always start with gut function because that's just, that is the root. And so I don't think most people understand like this centrifugal force of gut health, like that what's going on in this core area of the body is just radiating out to, you know, influencing the rest of the body. And, um, and it's such an important concept to get. So could you just kind of help explain how this is happening? Yeah, you know, we know that the gut is responsible for virtually every aspect of our overall health. And one of the things that people don't realize is that our when our gut is inflamed, um, which most of us, unfortunately, they, they are 
sampling, yes. just by what's going on in the environment, we're not absorbing nutrients. I mean, so we could be eating all of this healthy, clean, great food, but if our gut is inflamed, it's not absorbing those nutrients. So that's one of the, you know, very basic ways that people will, um, you know, realize that they're having, why things are starting in the gut is that they're not getting the nutrients that they need just by the, you know, lack of absorption. Um, one of the other, probably the biggest, biggest reason is something called LPS toxins. So, um, LPS stands for lipopolysaccharides and lipopolysaccharides is a, there are toxins or, you know, a, a protein that's basically naturally found in your gut. And when it's in your gut, it's not really problematic. It's when it seeps into your bloodstream that it becomes very problematic. And that's a condition that we call leaky gut. And we are now learning that leaky gut is responsible for virtually 100% of non-communicable diseases. So anything mm-hmm. from heart disease, cancer, diabetes, dementia, Alzheimer's, um, you know, all of these conditions are really a result of a heightened LPS level in the bloodstream. So, you know, that's really what it's, it's the inf- constant inflammation going on, that imbalance of good and bad bacteria, and then the LPS toxins that are seeping into your bloodstream. That's essentially why you are absolutely correct to start with the gut when you're dealing with any of those conditions that you mentioned. I mean, we have studies going on with acne, diabetes, um, um, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, all these different conditions, like who would have thought like knee pain would have, you know, the same starting point as, you know, acne. It's, it's crazy, but it all begins in the gut. Yes. Um, speaking of LPSs, so one, Mm -hmm. one of the doctors, I don't know, one doctor I read along the way called LPSs little pieces of, you know what? (laughs) Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't, but I love that. That's I've awesome. never forgotten it. I was like, okay, I think I'll remember this for forever. You know, you get so yes. many of these terms and acronyms and all of these things. I'm like, I am never going to forget LPS, little pieces of, you yep. know, poop. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, so we know we do not want those circulating in the wrong places. Right. No, we definitely do not. <laughs> no, we do not. I mean, if there's one thing you want to do is you need to stop those LPSs from getting into the bloodstream. So there you go. Well, what are some of the major reasons that our gut health gets so out of balance? Like, where do we go wrong? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons is just that our soil is so depleted of nutrients and it's yeah. so depleted of these particular bacteria that we need. Our ancestors got a lot of, you know, their nutrients from the soil, but our soil is over farmed. Um, You know, if you go to a tribe in Tanzania where you see them eating off the land, off of clean soil, they have virtually no autoimmune disease, no, you know, irritable bowel diseases at all. They have none of these things that we are suffering from in the Western population. So the soil is a huge, the fact that we're not getting a lot of nutrients and these very important organisms from the soil. Um, The other big thing is just, you know, the toxins and the air we're breathing, um, and antibiotics. I mean, antibiotics that we take, there are studies that are showing that just a single course of clindamycin, for example, will wreak havoc on your gut for up to a year. Um, I mean, that's crazy. People are taking antibiotics all the time. But the other thing is antibiotics are in our food supply too. You know, we may say, oh, I know I'm not going to take an antibiotic, but they're in the food we're eating. And I mean, we all, I mean, I know, I'm sure you and I both try to eat really clean and I'm sure most of your audience does, but we are faced with food that is not clean when Mm -hmm. we're going out to dinners and things like that. So antibiotics we take and antibiotics in our food. And um, one of the biggest ones is glyphosates and Roundup, the pesticides out there. I mean, glyphosates are wreaking havoc on our gut. We know that antibiotics are bad for our gut because they are killing the good bacteria as while they're killing the bad bacteria, which is really bad. But glyphosate is even worse because glyphosate only kills the good bacteria. It's not even killing the bad bacteria. Really? I guess, yeah. well, I guess that makes sense, actually, when you think about it. Yeah. In our gut, it's that's the way it's doing it. It's only killing our good bacteria. So it's worse. I mean, and it is, it's rampant. And it's so sad, I think, just for kids, too. I mean, mm. in this day and age, we're seeing such a rise in, you know, allergies, autism, ADD, behavioral disorders. I mean, it is so prevalent. And all of those things start with the gut. And, you know, when I went to school, I didn't see, I mean, I I could remember one kid in all, you know, 12 years of my schooling before I went to college, 
you know, who had an allergy. Nobody had allergies when I was a kid. Maybe I'm aging myself a little, but you know, I, I just, it's amazing nowadays. I mean, there's so many kids that have allergies. I mean, there it's, yes. you know, there's peanut free tables and all those things. And, and a lot of that is really because of this imbalance going on in our gut. Um, and sugar is a huge, um, offender of our gut health. Um, stress is a huge offender of our gut health. So, you know, you know, between antibiotics, lack of nutrients in our soil, stress, sugar, toxins in our environment. I mean, every day there is this battle going on in our gut between the good and bad bacteria. Yes. So this is kind of interesting. I've started running, um, GI maps and MRT food sensitivity tests on my clients. Um, and I even, you know, did one on myself. And I'm sad to say that the state of my bacteria was not as optimal as I wanted it to be. Um, and, but it's been fascinating to look at the breakdown, the results of these tests and see like specifically which bacteria, like which good bacteria are low, which opportunistic bacteria are overtaking the garden. So like the opportunistic bacteria are like the weeds in your garden and they're just stamping down your flowers and they're not letting your flowers grow. And, um, and you have to take, you know, you have to take an intentional approach um, to, to getting your garden back in balance. You know, I like to tell people it's normal to have weeds in your garden. You know, that's right. going to happen. It's normal to have bad bacteria. We just need to have that balance um so that everything is is working properly and and when you don't that can lead to leaky gut which can lead to food sensitivities and it just kind of becomes this whole hot mess so right. um that has been really helpful for me to help clients nail down specific protocols and part of my protocol right now is um using just thrive probiotic to get my gut back in balance hallelujah and um, I'm excited to, I'm excited for that. I feel like I'm, I'm doing some good work on my gut. And some people ask me, well, oh my gosh, how could that, you know, if, if that's happening to you, there's no hope for me. You're so, you know, on top of things, I'm right. like, hey, I had, a, I had a ton of antibiotics when I was a kid. I'm under stress, you know, I do eat sugar. I don't eat perfectly. And there's just, there are so many more problems today than there used to be. And this is really where probiotics can be so helpful because like you said, historically, our ancestors had a lot more interaction with bacteria, which kept their guts more um, balanced. But in modern times, not only do we avoid dirt and bathe ourselves in antibacterial gels and uh, yes. all of these other factors, <laughs> yes. you know, so many things come into play. So many, like all the stress and these fake foods and the pesticides, glyphosate. I mean, we're just, like you said, it's a constant barrage. And so it's when there's a real need for consideration of taking a probiotic. It is something that I really recommend to basically every client because um, we all we all need to fight off these, you know, these issues that can throw our gut out of whack. But it's really super confusing when you're trying to pick out a probiotic. I know that, you know, you'll go to the grocery store and like the in the um, supplement section. And there's just shelves and shelves of all of these supplements and you're, you know, you're trying to pick out a probiotic and it's just so confusing. It's overwhelming. And you're sitting there thinking, I don't wanna waste my time. I don't wanna waste my money. And so this is a huge reason I wanted to have you on is to help us like pick apart what we are looking for in a probiotic. We want something that's gonna be effective. We don't wanna just take something that's not gonna work. So can you share, um, just kind of give us some idea of what we're looking for. Right. Yeah. I'd love to do that. And I love all of your analogies that when you talked about the garden, because I always talk about the garden, because you have to think of your gut like a garden. So, but yeah, the, basically the overwhelming majority of probiotics on the market, I would say 90 to 95%, if not more, are have been formulated based on what we used to know. I think I had mentioned earlier that the Human Microbiome Project was conducted by the National Institutes of Health about 10 years ago. And we learn more about the gut and how it functions and how it how impactful it is on our overall health than we ever knew before. And the majority of those probiotics on the market are were based on what the old science told us, not based on the new science. And so what we now know is is like you said, our garden is like a gut. I mean, I'm sorry, our gut is like a garden and or vice versa. And what used to happen is people used to say, oh, we're going to reseed the garden. So you have this garden, the garden has been stepped on and trampled on, and there's weeds growing all over that garden. 
the guard, the lactobacillus and bifidobacter approach, which is the approach of most probiotics, was to reseed the gut. So you take a whole bunch of seeds, you throw them in the garden, and most of them never get there alive. And even if they did get there alive, they just maybe plant a new plant in that garden, and then they leave the garden. Um, and so the idea was to put more of the good bacteria into that garden or good plants in the garden, but they're not doing anything with the weeds and they're not doing anything with those plants that have been stepped on and trampled on that are good plants, but they're just not thriving. Mm -hmm. So the approach of just thrive probiotic and the spore based bacteria is to take the seeds, throw them into the garden. They attach, they get their hundred percent alive. They attach to the soil. They have the capability of getting rid of the weeds in the garden. And then they have the ability to bring those plants that have been stepped on and trampled on, bring them back to life. And so if you analogize to that, to your gut, you have these strains that are going in and they are attaching to the intestinal cell wall. They get to the intestines hundred percent alive. They attach to the intestinal cell wall. They have the capability of getting rid of pathogens in the gut. And then they have the ability of bringing our good, you know, good bacteria back to life. So mm-hmm. it's a very, very different and a much more effective approach to gut health and taking care of that garden on a regular basis. So, you know, one of the biggest things you have to look at when you're looking at a probiotic is, does it survive? Meaning, does it arrive in the intestines alive? Um, The majority of probiotics, 99, you know, probably 95% of them are made up of lactobacillus and bifidobacter strains, and they are just poor stomach survivors. We know that the body temperature is very, you know, is 98.6. We know that the acidic environment of the stomach is very hard for these strains to get to. So the overwhelming majority of probiotics die before they ever get to the intestines. <gasps> what? Yeah, they die. <laughs> they die. And you know, people will say to me all the time, but I felt better. I mean, what do you mean they, I, they die there? And I'm like, yeah, there are some studies that show that dead bacteria will actually cause some symptomatic relief, but they're not getting to the, you know, it's just like, they maybe made the garden look a little bit prettier because there was some pretty flowers, but they're not getting rid of the weeds. They're not, you know, it's not really getting to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. So, um, so survivability is really important. And we are a very research-based company. We have a survivability, a gastric survivability study, and it showed that our strengths survive a hundred percent. They tested three other products. They tested a yogurt, a Greek yogurt, and then the leading selling probiotic supplement. It was a 50 billion count product died off 99.99% by the time it got to the intestines. Yeah. So, so people are thinking they're doing something good for themselves and it's just completely ineffective or mostly, mostly ineffective. Right. And I always say, I don't feel like the, these other companies were ill-willed or anything like that. I just think that it was based on the old science and what we used to know. And, and, you know, it's just like, you know, we've improved technology. It's the same thing. You know, now we know much more about the gut and now we have a much more effective approach to gut health. Yes. Okay. So how, how do we know if it's going to arrive alive? Is there, I mean, how are we going to know that if we're looking at a probiotic box? Well, um, you, it needs to say, actually what I should tell you to look at, or I should tell people to look at is if you look on the side of a box, a lot of times it'll say 250 billion or 50 billion CFUs at time of manufacture. Well, at the time of manufacture, it doesn't matter. We don't care if it had 250 billion or 50 billion or 10 billion CFUs at the time of manufacture. What we care about is that you have you know, 50 billion when they arrive in your stomach. And um, almost, you know, you see so many probiotics that have that on the side, you know, oh, it doesn't, you know, at the time of manufacture and that, um, what you really should be looking for is a probiotic that has on their um, survivability, gastric survivability study independently verified by a third-party lab. So we have had ours um, tested by a third-party lab for gastric survivability. The other important thing is a lot of companies will say, well, we had ours tested. But the important thing is to look at the study and make sure it's at a gastric uh, pH of a 1.3. So you want your stomach pH to be of a 1.3 or lower that study because the higher the pH, the more likely it is that probiotics will survive. But the 1.3 is a very um, normal acidic level of a, you know, human. Yes. So uh, yeah, that's-, well, that's what we want. That's another thing I, um, I, I battle, you know, and have to 
really work on with clients is that there's, you know, they have very little stomach acid to actually digest food and you want that very, very acidic. And if it's too alkaline, you cannot break down your food. So. Right. Right. Exactly. But we want these little buggies to survive it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. It's really important that they survive. That is for sure. That's the first thing you need to do. Right. Okay. So, okay. Can you explain a little bit more like the difference between this, you kind of explained the spore, you know, oh, yeah. what it does, but just this, again, just a little more recap of the spore versus just kind of your straight bacteria. I just still want to get a better handle on that. Right, right. So spore-based bacteria, we call them endospore, not because they're a mushroom spore or anything like that. They are just, they have this endospore shell around themselves. So you want to think of them as having an armor-like shell around um, around them, which allows them to survive the environment and allows oh. them to survive the harsh conditions of the stomach. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the, that's kind of their secret. Right. The, that is okay. the secret. And, and it's not because we've done anything to engineer them. I mean, this is, you know, this is the nature. way, yes, it's nature. I mean, this is the way it was intended. To, we were supposed to get these strains and the lactobacillus and bifidobacter strains that are used in many probiotics out there, based on what we used to know, those strains actually were never found in the environment. The only time we got those strains was when we were inoculated at childbirth, we, you know, during vaginal childbirth, through close skin to skin contact, breastfeeding, that type of stuff. But we never got lactobacillus or bifidobacter from the environment or from the earth. So, you know, the lactobacillus and bifidobacter strains that you'll see are sensitive organisms. You know, they have difficulty surviving the gastric system. So spores are, and, and they have this spore. So when our ancestors found them in nature, they were in their spore form, meaning that they were dormant. So they weren't live bacteria while they were in the soil. So right now, if you're taking just Thrive, you would open the capsule or you know, you would open the box and you put the capsule in your mouth, swallow it, and it's dormant. And it's dormant. It's dormant through the stomach. So it survives the gastric system. It's not till it hits the intestines that it's ta it takes its shell off and it becomes live bacteria. So that is what's so fascinating. And again, it's not because we've engineered it or done any type of special technology. These are, this is exactly the way nature intended us to be taking care of our gut bacteria. That is so cool. Yeah. Like it knows it's just has that in, it's just that innate wisdom of nature and the body and how they work together. I, I just love that. That I is I, I, so, I, I could, I could relate. I do too. <laughs> that is so neat. Um, just going back a little bit, I, I didn't realize that about the lactobacillus, um, those strains really just being found at childbirth. And I, I just want to touch on that for a minute because um, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, children are first inoculated with bacteria, with those specific strains that you mentioned, upon childbirth, you know, coming through the vaginal canal um, and kind of swallowing that bacteria. Um, and that's their, that's kind of their first um, contribution to their immune system. And, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, and then there's somebody like me who had all my children uh, C-section. You know, I didn't know all this at the time. You know, things we wish we could go back on. Yeah. So, um, you know, so no shame there. We do what we do. Um, but just knowing that alone, like I know that my kids are already, you know, at a bit of a disadvantage in, you know, their plants, in their garden, you know, they didn't, they didn't, you know, come out of, you know, come out with the strongest garden. And so, the, you know, just for the moms out there who maybe had C-sections, or even if the moms, you know, don't have their, you know, garden in a nice balance, and they don't have the best bacterial, um, you know, presence at the time of birth, it's just, just know that those are kind of things that start shaping, you know, shaping the garden and all of these things add up. And it's just, it's another reason we need to be cognizant of, um, of all of this information. Um, I just think that's really fascinating though about the spores. They just wait till they hit your system till they get to their destination. And then it's like, boom, like magic. I love that. Yeah. It's amazing. It's just, it's not even magic. It's probably just nature, you know, yeah, nature it's just is nature. so magical, yes, but nature, na is, nature magical. is magical, very magical. Well, okay. So with spore base, does this affect can this affect anybody in a way that, I don't know, some people may not tolerate it better? Does it work for everyone? Is it? Yeah. I'm, we have no contraindications with the product. Um, it is, I, I mean, I feel like everybody who wakes up breathing should be on these. And I, I say that with such sincerity because I've seen what it does from every age, you know, from young kids, you know, to, I mean, my parents are on it. My 
in-laws are on it. All my kids are on it. You know, it's just, I, I just see how important it is to maintain your gut health. I mean, we are learning every day, like I talked mm-hmm. about, is just how our gut health is so important and how it's being impacted every day negatively by yes. the glyphosates and the GMOs and the Roundup and the stress. I mean, we're all under so much stress these days. So all of these things are wreaking havoc. So they're really, we don't, we're not aware of any contraindications. And, and that makes sense because these are strains that our ancestors got on a daily basis. Right. So it's In nothing nature. strange. Yep. From nature. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay. That is so good to know. And then, you know, I think what people need to also be aware of when they are considering a probiotic is there there's a lot of um, there could be a lot of problematic ingredients in there. Um, what what are some things that could be problematic that you know we would want to avoid? Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the labels. There's some that actually have sugar in them. I'm like, oh. are you kidding me? When I saw that, I almost flipped. I'm like, oh my God, the sugar is one of the worst things. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people will go to yogurt or Greek yogurt for that reason. Like, oh, I'm on an antibiotic and so I need to take some, my doctor told me to take some probiotics. I'm going to take some yogurt. Well, yogurt is loaded with sugar. Many of the yogurts are Mm -hmm. loaded with sugar. So you Mm -hmm. just have to be mindful of sugar. That's one main ingredient. The other thing that's a little bit scary in this industry is University of California Davis did a study. They took 16 probiotic products off of California store shelves. They bought some online and they tested them and they found that only one of them met label claims. So that basically what, what's happening with these probiotics is they are taking a vat, a fermentation vat, and they're throwing a whole bunch of lactobacillus and bifidobacter strains in the vat so that on the label they could say, oh, there's 15 different strains or there's, we have, you know, 20 different strains. And what happens in that fermentation that is one strain is taking over another or two strains come together and create a new strain. So there are strains that are in the product that are not listed on the label. There mm-hmm. are strains that are listed on the label that are not in the product, you know, that we'd have no idea if they're good or if they're bad or if they're dangerous, we don't know. So um, that was a pretty crazy study, you know, and the reason you know, companies are doing this is there's this thing about diversity. We all know having a diverse microbiome equals a healthy microbiome and therefore equals health. Yes, we know that is important. So the idea behind it is that these companies were throwing in 15, 20 different strains. So you say, oh, I have a diversity. I have a whole bunch of different strains. The problem is that's not how you create diversity. You have thousands of different organisms in your gut, and now you're going to be taking 15 different strains. That's not going to create diversity at all. I mean, it's like throwing a penny in a pool filled with quarters. You know, it's not going to create diversity. Um, So I would just say stay away from ones that have any sugar and other additives and fillers and things like that. I mean, we have nothing where ours is, you know, dairy-free, sugar-free, vegan, you know, paleo-friendly, nut-free, non-GMO. Soy-free. Soy-free, everything like that. So All the freeze. All the freeze. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's all of those things. So, um, but yeah, it's also really important to just make sure that the, like we have ours independently verified by a third-party lab for DNA verification, meaning that what we say is on the label is actually in the product. So I would look for gastric survivability studies. I would look for DNA verification. So it's really important that your strains are DNA verified by an independent third-party lab so that what they say is on the label is actually in the product itself. That would be helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Minor, minor thing there, right? Yes. Okay. So you mentioned um, like Greek yogurt. What about getting probiotics from you know, fermented foods and real foods, you know, I do, I'm always, you know, encouraging people to um, try to get, you know, most of their nutrients um, from real food, um, the way God made it. And so do we get enough from that? Yeah. Um, Well, that's another myth out there. There's so many myths about probiotics and getting it. Now, fermented foods are amazingly beneficial. So I am a huge fan of fermented foods. I eat them quite a bit. I'm, I know the benefit they have. They do not, however, have probiotic benefit. Um, they are made up of the lactobacillus and bifidobacter strains also. And so they also do not make that journey through the gastric system. 
the benefit of fermented foods is the ferment itself. It allows you to absorb nutrients so much better. And, you know, there's so many great things. The nutrients from the food is from the ferment, you know, so we need to make sure that we are, it's great to take fermented, to eat fermented foods for so many other reasons, but it's not a substitute for probiotics. I agree with you completely about trying to get our foods from nature, you know, the way our ancestors intended, and that's from food rather than supplementation. In fact, we just launched a prebiotic, which I, it is amazing. It's so great. It basically amplifies what our probiotic does, but I will be, even though it's our product, I will always tell people if uh, the best way to get your prebiotics is through prebiotic foods like onion, gar- you know, garlic, mm-hmm. uh, art- Jerusalem artichokes, bananas, and things like that. That's where you want to get your prebiotics from. But you're really, there's not really a food source for the, you know, spore-based probiotics unless we go back to that tribe in Tanzania and, you know, eat off of the clean land somewhere. So, um, so fermented foods are great. I would definitely not eliminate them from your diet, but I wouldn't think that you're getting, you're not getting a probiotic from fermented foods. Just don't rely on that. Okay. That is, that is great information. Um, that's really good. Okay. So you mentioned a prebiotic. I was going to ask you that. Um, because I do get that question a lot. Do I need to take a prebiotic? Um, and just for people that don't know, the probiotics are the are the actual bacteria and, and that, and the prebiotics are the food that feed the bacteria. Is that how you would describe it, basically? Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so, and so, yes. And so I would say, you know, that real food um, feed the probiotics, but would there be a chance, a reason, a specific reason to take a prebiotic or how could that be helpful um, for someone? Well, the prebiotic, like you said, is the food that feeds the good bacteria or feeds the bacteria, you know, feeds our good bacteria. Mm -hmm. That's what we want it to. The problem is prebiotics for the most part, don't know how to distinguish between good and bad bacteria. And so some people will actually, you know, the prebiotic fibers will feed the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. So now are you talking about in food or supplement? I'm talking both, both. Okay. I mean, really in both. Okay. And so, um, but yeah, I think primarily in supplements because the food, you know, it's done the way nature's intending it to do. But um, a lot of times with supplements, they will, they don't know how to distinguish between the good and bad bacteria. So our prebiotic is actually, we call it a precision prebiotic because it only targets the good bacteria. It does not feed. So you go back to that um, garden analogy. It's only feeding the good plants. It's not feeding the weeds in the garden. So that's really important because a lot of times people will start taking a prebiotic and say, oh God, that doesn't, didn't make me feel good. And well, it's because it's really good for your good bacteria, but unfortunately it's also feeding your bad bacteria. So with Just Thrive's precision prebiotic, we know that it is only feeding the good bacteria. And the reason why you want to be taking a prebiotic is because you just, you want to keep that garden growing. You know, it's the same reason you give plants, you know, a plant food or, you know, you you fertilize your garden. It's the same reason. So, um, you know, we say that the probiotic is the gardener of the gut. It's getting rid of the weeds on a regular basis. It's helping those plants come back to life, but it's the fertilizer and the food that's actually helping it really become super lush. So we want, it helps diversity. We have a study that showed that it's increasing diversity, uh, by 10 to a hundred fold. I mean, this is crazy stuff. So now we're wow. really creating this lush garden. So, um, you know, especially if you have a compromised gut, health, you know, you have some yes. issues. I would always suggest starting out with a probiotic for about three or four weeks. And then, you know, maybe about three or four weeks in with the probiotic, start introducing the prebiotic. And both, I would say to go slowly, you know, you always want to start things like this slowly because it's just, um, it, these are working, you know, and so they're, yes. they're doing some, you know, construction in your gut. So <laughs> absolutely. I like, you know, I like that idea of really kind of bringing in that prebiotic to, um, as a therapeutic approach, you know, it's a lot of what I do as a nutritional therapist is we take these therapeutic approaches and, and use some of these supplements to just ramp the body back up after it's been deficient for so long. It's like we have to restore, you know, um, restore what's been missing. So I love that idea of just kind of helping make that garden really lush. That's a great image. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. I have a few, um, here's some questions I get all the time. So 
you you did touch on a little bit earlier, like the CFU count, and I feel like people think uh, I'm looking for a gabillion <laughs> CFUs, and the more the better. So, is it all about the numbers? I mean, I know it's not because of what you said, but just kind of answer that directly. Yeah, no, it's that is the number one myth. Uh, well, there's probably number there's two number one myths. <laughs> They're tied. One of them is you know that 50 billion cells is better than 4 billion CFUs, you know, and it's, it, there is no science in that. I mean, that is all become marketing, you know, the bigger, better. Um, there is no science. There's no indication that more is better. The only way more is really better is if all of it survives and gets to the intestines alive. And we know that they're not. So, you know, I mean, this, all these survivabilities are showing some of the leading probiotics, some as high as 250 billion CFUs show that 99.9 .9 of them can't survive the digestion and therefore arrive dead in the mm. intestines. So um, I would not get, you know, I, and that's why you could find really cheap probiotics that are 50 billion and, you know, and, and then our pro product is 4 billion. It's only 4 billion CFUs. And people are like, oh my gosh, how can, you know, it only be 4 billion. And I'm like, you know, I always say, try it and see what we're talking about, you know, because mm -hmm. it's the best way to see it. So that is a big myth. There's no studies. There's nothing based on that. And um, the, the other big myth that I, I have to mention is about the refrigeration. That oh, is, yes, because I was going to ask you about that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> so um, people will say all the time, you know, oh, my doctor told me, make sure you get one in the refrigerated section. That is the best, yeah, those are the better quality ones. And um, that actually, to me, can't be further from the truth because if it needs to be refrigerated, it's because it can't withstand the room temperature of the store shelf. And so if it can't withstand the room temperature of the store shelf, first of all, how will it ever survive your body temperature, which is 98.6? You know, it just isn't going to. I mean, much less like the whole transportation getting from, you know, the manufacturer to the distributor to the, you know, warehouse to the actual store shell or store refrigerator. I mean, all of those issues. But just let's say they made it through the cold chain supply properly. Then it's like, how are they going to actually survive 98.6? And the answer is they're not. And they certainly, if they can't survive that, how will they survive the acidic environment? Stomach, stomach? acid. Right. right. So it's actually a sign of a very weak probiotic if it needs to be refrigerated because it means it can't withstand even the room temperature of the store, store shelf. So um, the, the number of CFUs is absolutely a myth and there's no science behind it. And the refrigeration just means that, yeah, they will be alive in the refrigerator, hopefully. <laughs> But we don't need them alive in the refrigerator. We need them alive in our intestines. So, yeah, we need some strong. We need some strong, strong bacteria and spores to survive. Well, this is going to be good news for a lot of people because I can't tell you how many people are like, "Wow, well, I always forget to take my probiotic. It's in the refrigerator, and I, I never remembered it. You know, I don't, I don't see it, and so I forget about it. And so, yeah. um, there's been a major compliance issue, you know, with people. Um, that I've recommended, pro, you know, recommended probiotics to to take one, and they'll pick one up that's you know been refrigerated because that's what their doctor said, and then then they don't take it. So right, right. This is good news. Okay, well, on the heels of this, what is there a best time of the day? Is there an ideal time to take a probiotic? You know, the time of day doesn't really matter. Um, it's just that it needs to be. Um, Taken with food, it works better oh. in the presence of food. Really? Yep. Oh, Tina, I've been doing it there. wrong. <laughs> I know another myth out there. It's crazy. Yes, I. Well, I've always kept mine by my bedside just because, I, you know, it takes so many things. Like that's the one I really want to remember is a probiotic, and so I kind of make it part of my nightly routine. Well, I'm going to have to um, move my probiotic and yeah. change that up. And the reason that was another myth that came out there is that basically that when your stomach is empty, the pH of your stomach is higher, which allows for greater survivability. So that's why a lot of people think that you need to take it on an empty stomach because it allows for greater survivability. Mm. But ours, because ours survive naturally, that's not an issue. So... Okay, so take it with food. Okay. It works better. We have a study that shows that it works better in the presence of food. Oh, so good to know. So good to know. Okay, that's great. Um, what about uh, for kids? Can they, great. are they good with a regular dose? Or? Yeah, great for kids. You know, you could, if, if they're over the age of three, you could do a full capsule. Um, if they're under the age of three, you could always do a half a capsule. And you could open these and mix it with food. So you could, I used to mix it with my son's hot oatmeal and, um, a bit, or like you could bake with it. We've tested up to 450 degrees. Wow. So you, kids wouldn't even know it's there. It's tasteless, colorless, odorless. Um, and if you make some sugar-free cookies or something like that, you could even bake it with cookies. So, <laughs> Um, but that, I mean, you could make it with sugar, but it's just better not to have sugar. So. Right. 
That's huge that you yeah. can put it in a hot food. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It is amazing. And I just think out of anybody for kids, it's so important because like I said, our kids are being raised with these glyphosates and GMOs and Roundup everywhere and and toxins in the environment and all of this stuff is literally you know, wreaking havoc on their little guts. So we just really need to make sure. And, and they will, the full dose is fine after um, the age three and above. So. Okay. That is great to know. Okay. So we're getting close to wrapping up here, but before I let you go, I want to ask you um, about your K2 supplement. And I realized this could be an entire podcast by itself because I get so many questions about osteoporosis and calcium. And um, I just want people to know it's not that black and white and that K2 plays such an important role role in calcium absorption. So could you just give us a little a little tidbit on that? Oh, sure. Yeah. So the role of vitamin K2 is to move calcium away from the arteries, like the heart, where we don't want it, and put it into the bone where we do want it. And people are just starting to learn about the importance of K2. And it's really, I'd say 90% of the adult population is deficient of in K2 because oh. we just don't get it from any of our food in the Western diet. You know, the Japan, there's a Japanese food, natto, that that is loaded with K2. There's some fermented cheeses in um, Northern Europe that have lots high amounts of vitamin K2, but you don't find, you know, organ meats is great, but we are not really eating organ meats. You know, mm -hmm. that's a big source of K2, but we're really not getting vitamin K2 from um, our food supply in the Western diet. So uh, vitamin K2, um, really important to distribute calcium away from where we don't want it and put it into the bone. It's also great for kids too, because the kids are, you know, their jaws are being, you know, built and structured. Um, if there's a broken bone, I, my son's friend just fractured his ankle and we're running over some K2 to him because it just, it, it's so great for bone building and just helping heal the bone as well. So really, really, um, K2 is, you're going to be hearing a lot more about vitamin K2. So we as a company have just taken the approach of not, we don't have like a vitamin C and a vitamin D and even those, those are all really important nutrients, but we know that there's other products out there that are good and we're not going to try to do that. We're finding things that are missing from the market and needed, really, really needed. We know spore probiotics are needed and we know vitamin K2 is really needed. And of course we know prebiotics are needed. So, um, we, but vitamin K2, really important supplement. Yes. I just, I tell people, they're like, what's the best calcium supplement? I'm like, you cannot be throwing all this calcium willy nilly in your body. Like you, oh, it no. needs to go, it's and got to go to the right place. Yes. If you're taking vitamin D or calcium, you need to be on vitamin K2 for sure. I mean, even vitamin, vitamin D, there's, people are taking high amounts of vitamin D, but the vitamin D, the higher, more vitamin D you're taking increases your body's demand for K2 mm. and our bodies aren't getting any K2. So that's what leads to things like osteoporosis and, you know, all those conditions that we don't want. So I'd oh, love to do an entire podcast on it anytime. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> you're on. I'm going to bring you back for that one. That, cause that's, that's really important information. Okay. So final questions, final questions that I like to ask my guests. Um, there are anchor questions that um, I always say, you know, our first anchor of good health is the Lord um, and just eating as real food and just, you know, keeping that purpose um, of just wanting to be a good servant, you know, having a healthy body so that we can serve well. But I'd like to ask, do you have a favorite anchor meal, like your go-to meal, you eat all the time, you have the ingredients, it's your favorite, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I always preach that we should be eating a diverse group of foods. That's one thing that is really important for creating diversity in the gut is creating a diverse group of foods. But I am so guilty of <laughs> having my same old uh, food. So one of my favorite things to make is I, I take a piece of a, one piece of Ezekiel bread. Um, I put avocado on it and then I put a little bit of, um, I put uh, organic chicken from the night before, you know, I always have organic chicken, whether it's in the freezer or whatever, and then some arugula on it. I make a little oh, open wow. face sandwich and that's one of my favorite things. So I have a little bit of, you know, chicken, organic chicken, some avocado, um, and then some arugula. And that's one of my favorite meals. You've got all the bases covered, your protein, your fat, your carb. Your... Yep. <laughs> yep. I got it all. Exactly. You got it all. Okay. And then the the final question is about an anchor verse. Is there a scripture verse that inspires you, just really resonates with you? Yeah, you know, um, Chronicles 16, 11, um, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. You know, I feel like 
in everything we do in life, you know, whether it's work, career, health, you know, it's just, we need to, we need the Lord's strength. I mean, we need God at our side all the time. And you have to remember that on a regular basis. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to get, you know, caught up in our day-to-day activities and, and forget that. So I always try to remind myself of that on a regular basis that. Yes. Oh, I agree. Oh my gosh. What awesome info today. I just love it. So if somebody wants to get more information about just Thrive Probiotic or K2, where is the best place um, for them to go to the website? Yeah. You know what? Um, It's thriveprobiotic.com. So T-H-R-I-V-E dot com, And you know what, Chelsea, I'm going to, I'll give you a coupon code to your listeners. Why don't I do that? Oh, um, that's wonderful. I'll do, um, how's Chelsea 15? Is that good? I love it. 15. Okay. So that's 15% off if they. 15% off. Yeah. Oh, so they'll get 15% fantastic. off. So, and I'll do Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A 15. That's fan. Thank you. That's so nice. You're welcome. You know what? I really want everyone to try it. If they if they don't like, they could always return it. We always offer a money back guarantee. But um, I'm telling you, it's the single most important thing you could do for your health. It is taking care of your gut, and this uh, is for sure the creme de la creme of probiotics. So definitely, I would love it. it. Amen, sister. That is yes. the truth. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, let us know how you loved this podcast because I sure did. I, I learned um, I learned a lot. And thank you so much, Tina, for coming on. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks so much, Chelsea. I love being here. Okay. Thanks. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hi everyone, remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.